Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Alec Burleson, needs a major change to be successful. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Wow, calling Alec out. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Well, Hambone, it's, we're back. It's just you ADH. and I. Yeah, I know. It's, it's quieter now. Yeah. Just looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. One hundred and one doesn't to, hit like one hundred and one. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who I, cares? I was when I was like as I was putting this episode together, putting like the the recording and stuff. I like tab one Oh one is the name of the episode. Yeah. It's making me think like, what would tab one Oh one be? If yeah. it was like a class you were signing up what for, could we teach someone? Uh, very little, I guess how to put out a podcast every single week. Yes. So that's the one thing that we've done successfully on this show is we've done it every single week. End of um, list. Yeah. How to, um, have similar voices, uh, yeah. how to be, Cousins, I guess. Those Ooh. are things that we could. Yeah. I've been doing that for like. Dude, I've been a cousin time. for a long time. As long as I can your co- I've been your cousin for literally your entire life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's messed up. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, kind of sad. <laughs> well, <laughs> yikes. I'm All freaking right, out, man. Okay. This is stupid. How, how are you? <laughs> how are things going? Fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, uh, I don't know. It's snowing in Colorado. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I got nothing to report over here. It's we're in the, the, I don't know. We're in the middle of it, Nate. It's the off yeah, season and, and, I know. and we don't have good guests to distract me from just <laughs> how shitty this is. Dude, I've been really feeling it. I've been like, so I, I've said this on the show before, but, um, I'm I'm a lot into fantasy baseball and dynasty fantasy baseball. We and I know. feel I feel like I've been so jonesing for like baseball. I'm just like looking at my rosters on my leagues, just like yeah. these are baseball guys that I like. It's fun to look at baseball. It'll be yeah. much better when there's box scores and any of this actually means anything. But otherwise I'm just like literally just looking at baseball names and well, like projections and stuff. This month, Nate, this this I episode know. dropping on the first of Feb, we have baseball in February. Yes, it's in our sights. Assuming I survive our upcoming ski trip, uh, <laughs> I will be in two weeks. Uh, I will be traveling to uh, to the mountains with Ben to go skiing for the second time in my life. And uh, assuming I make it through that, there will be baseball on the other yeah. side of it. Yeah, yeah. You just got to rip that band, risk your life uh, uh, for uh, a few days, and yeah, you'll be on the other side, and and uh, it's all going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. You're gonna you're gonna pick up right where you left off. You're gonna shoop 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 down the mountain, spiraling at a full starfish down the side of the mountain. Maybe a little before that. You left <laughs> right before that fall where you left off there. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm I'm also really looking forward to there being actual baseball. I, this this off season has been 
an interesting one, I think. You know, that is for sure. What did C seventy rate it like a seven hundred and forty one thousand out of a <laughs> yeah. out of, out of a million? million? Something. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I it'll be nice to actually have actual games and actual stuff to talk about here pretty soon. Um, but if I understand it correctly, you did you go to a hockey game recently? Have you are you expanding your horizons here, old Hambone? No, no, I'm not. Uh, but I did attend a NHL game, which okay. I will admit was very exciting. I don't go to those very often. I right. maybe go once a year, um, but. So uh, Avalanche are really good, um, right. as you Boost probably know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stan Kroenke, always picking up championships. But anyways, the Avs are really good. Um, they were playing the Kings. They whooped their asses, which was a lot of fun, uh, especially for my Luddite ass. I don't know what's going on. Like uh, hockey. I enjoy watching hockey live, but the mm-hmm. movements and the nuances of like line changes and setting up plays and passing uh, uh structures or, or however it's described yeah. it all is like beyond me and to be totally honest i don't care enough to learn um yeah it, it's but it's exciting when you're there in person and mm-hmm. you know you're you're drinking beers and and uh carrying on and whatnot but what was really exciting so we went there to celebrate pride night uh avalanche pride night and we bought some like special ticket that included a t-shirt uh, obviously cool. a seat um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, after the game was obviously over, a seat, thank you for clarifying. I don't know if that's as obvious as, as you might think it is, you know, Hey, with our listener group, who knows, you know, who knows mm-hmm. what they're thinking? I don't know. Um, hockey. Maybe you float. <laughs> yeah. It's and, cold. Uh, I can't be seated. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so the tickets included a t-shirt, a seat, uh-huh. and then once they let the, you through the door. Yes. Um, uh, air to breathe. Stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> this you're the worst. <laughs> um, it also included once the game was over that we could go down onto the ice and shoot on the on the on the rink. Uh, wow. And, and they you know they set it up with hockey pucks and sticks and obviously the nets. Um, so a bunch of people lined up and we went down there and I. Uh, before Wait, I got on guess. the, you yeah. swung super hard and because you're on ice, you did like a big old spin and fell flat on your face. You are very close to being accurate. <laughs> uh, the only thing that you're not accurate about is that they didn't Zamboni the ice before we got onto it. So it had like wow. a period of hockey players, you know, playing on it and mm-hmm. it was super grippy. Like it, it, I, you wouldn't slip on it. It was like walking yeah. on like slightly wet concrete. It was, hmm. uh, uh, much, much grippier than I expected. But before I uh, went down on the ice, I, I looked at my buddy, Steven, uh, and said, I'm going to swing as hard as I possibly can. Like, I've yeah. never done this before. Okay. But I'm not going to, I'm not pussyfooting, as, yeah, uh, sure. as they might say. Right. And uh, so I wind up, I swing as hard as I can. What I did not realize and what was explained to me after is that when hockey players are doing their slap shots, they actually bring the stick down, flex it on the ice, and kind of fling the stick at the puck and that's how they gain velocity. Mm. But I kind of took like a, like a baseball golf swing, you know, right. just kind of making point of contact. And I took a massive chunk out of the ice and I <laughs> felt like I shattered my wrist. It hurts so bad. I basically just punched the ice with a stick really hard. So then I reeled it in about to 90% and sure. every, everything was okay after that. 
Um, but yeah, you, you pretty much called it that it, it, yeah. exactly what you thought would happen happened. Well, I didn't know that either about the, the puck or the stick dynamics. I think I would have done exactly the same thing right. as you did. Yeah. And he's explaining it to me while I'm on the, I like, I can't put this new concept together in uh-huh. the, like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, well, that's so fun though. Down on oh, the it was, rink. Like it was super yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've only been to a couple hockey games. I mean, I I you know I got into the Blues. I've been a passive Blues supporter for my entire life. Especially, I, I have a lot of fond memories of the '90s with Brett Hull and and that brief window when Wayne Gretzky was a Blue. Tony then, Twist. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Al McInnes, mm-hmm. uh, Chris uh, Bronger. Uh, yeah. Wow, he's doing it, folks. <laughs> uh, other other guys. <laughs> um, and then Kachuk, obviously Keith 2019. Kachuk. Keith Kachuk, sure. Boom. Uh, 2019, obviously, I watched a lot of of the back half of the season, and then I watched a lot of the playoffs as it was really ramping up. Just full jumped on the bandwagon, and I Hell had a yeah. great time. Um, but I've only been to a handful of games. But generally, like just going to any sort of live event, I'm probably going to have a good time. But I have the same. Like I watched a lot on uh, of the sport in 2019. I had the same uh, sort of experience of you, which is just like. I I know that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of detail happening in this moment, right? And there's a lot of there are plays and there's a lot of effort and specific effort happening. But to me, it just looks like chaos, and you just kind of hope that uh, you know the puck go in the hole, right? Um, and I I will say, as as you've hated hearing, you know, as I've gotten really into soccer, which is essentially the same concept but just slower and bigger. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I imagine that I'd be able to like view hockey with a slightly better lens now, but um, I've just not taken that time to get into it, especially now that the Blues are sort of back in a middling state. It's not been, uh, you know, a desire of mine to get into right. hockey, but going to games is is fun. Yeah, yeah. Always, always have a good time. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, essentially, ice soccer. But yeah, faster. there's probably some diehard hockey and soccer fans that hate everything that I just said. But like, yeah, fundamentally, big picture thing go in net. It's the same so, sport. Yeah. 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 Um, to my to me, at least. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't care enough about either of them. So whatever. Well, I've got you're the footy least, boy. Yeah, I've gotten into soccer enough to at least be able to start to see how plays develop and stuff like that, which it took like more than half a season of watching basically every game to finally start to be like, okay, it's not just chaos a hundred percent of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, that's, you know, that's fun. Going I could down be on a the road. That's, that's really what I, I could yeah, be a pro tomorrow. It is fun going down on the field of major league sports. Um, uh, so I, I'd been on a major league baseball, uh, yeah. field. I've been on a football field. Hmm. Uh, I had never been on an NHL rink. That was really cool. So now I guess uh, NBA court. I, I got to find a yeah. way out to an NBA court. You just got to be rich and famous and get those courtside seats. Then you're basically, you know, down there. Yeah. I just got to get courtside seats. They are so expensive at the Nuggets. Yeah. They're like 1200 bucks. Um, so maybe I, someday. I was... I forget Subscribe where to that I, Patreon, folks, so I can go to... <laughs> yeah. I forget where... I was having this discussion maybe with you on the podcast, but like in the NBA is, is kind of like the poster child for turning your league into like, uh, to becoming very successful from a fan standpoint and from like a culture and right. like media standpoint. Right. Like 
the NBA is full of celebrity and full of stars and great ratings generally and like has had a huge turnaround um, over the last several decades. And uh, one thing that was pointed out about basketball as a, as opposed to basically every other sport that really aided in basketball's uh, ascension into the modern media market is the courtside concept. The fact that like you, the, the, the fans and who's in the stands, they're always on screen. Now, obviously right. with like football and, and baseball, though it's really big in football right now with your T Swifts, um, they can always do the shots of the box, you know, right. but that's not the same as like you're just passively watching the game and right there, like directly next to the bench is some Jack celebrity. Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's there or whatever. Um, you know, yeah, and so it, that it's the it's a place to be seen. Baseball is yeah. not like that. Football's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of football's a little bit being like that, but you know, it does make me think like in baseball every once in a while you'd see like Oh, there's Nelly behind home, you know, and they're right. they're behind home plate. So baseball could do it with those behind home plate seats, you know. But I don't know. I don't think that. Man, if was... I was a famous person, I just want a box. Get me away from all these all these normies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh, the public. Ugh, That's how you disgusting. feel. Yeah, it's only your lack of funding that you uh, have to interact with the public. <laughs> is what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and that is how I feel. Uh, I will not amend that statement one bit. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into some some real baseball talk. So we've got uh, we did have a couple moves. Yeah. Um, over the last week, um, a little surprising. You know, these sorts of moves are kind of happening all the time, um, but still a little surprising. Do you want to uh, run it through for us, Ben? Yeah, the Cardinals announced on Monday that they've claimed first baseman slash outfielder Alfonso Rivas off waivers from the Angels uh, in a corresponding move. Outfielder Moises Gomez was DFA'd. He is no longer a schmardinal, which is uh, really too bad. I, I'll, I'll go quick and kind of give my two cents on this. Um, Alfonso Rivas is a mostly first baseman. Um, mm -hmm. he does not really hit for power, um, in his minor league and extremely limited, uh, major league looks. Um, he is an above average hitter, uh, which is nice. He, he hits around 300, but there's very little power. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like a contact overpower first baseman who's a decent glove type of guy. He's 26 years old. Uh, he swings the bat from the left side. Um, you know, I, I don't think that this is a move that is moving the needle uh, for the Cardinals at all. I do think it's one that, or I guess the, uh, what I don't really understand is that you have Nolan Gorman, you have Brendan Donovan, Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt exists. Alec uh, Burleson, who we already mentioned, exists. All of those guys kind of seem to take on the role that Alfonso Rivas is about to take on, although I think he's mostly just going to be a depth piece, like how yeah. often he is on the big league 26-man roster. I'm not sure of that yet. And 
the Cardinals basically are saying we need more of the thing that we already have as opposed to Moises Gomez. We just can't. He is he is maxed out. Um, he 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 can offer the team no more. He has no more development left in him. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that to be the only part of this uh, transaction that deserves criticism. Like, w- why give up on Moises Gomez when it's seemingly just to get something that you already have internally? Yeah. Yeah, I know Moises Gomez was definitely seemed like a candidate to be non-tendered before he even got this far, you know, before the Rule 5 draft and whatnot. Right. Um, so the fact that he made it that far was was a little surprising. It is also, though, like, I I don't know enough about the, like, how the, the Cardinals value players and, 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 and their decision-making process. When you've got a guy like Moises Gomez who, you know, leads your minor leagues in home runs and and seems to have some potential real game power, um, but just never really ever gets a shot of utilizing at the big leagues and is now just, you know, sort of kicked to the side. Now, DFA, like I haven't heard, maybe he has chosen minor league free agency. He could still end up being, you know, staying in the Cardinals organization. Um, So we'll see where he ends up. But I, I'm always a little surprised when you have someone who like stands out that much and then they just like never truly even give a shot. Um, but also we both know the outfield is like th- where the most depth is on this team. I mean, he's right. like eight on the depth chart for the outfield. So the odds of him getting any reasonable, meaningful at bats, you know, is pretty low. And I guess theoretically first base is uh, there's less depth if you don't want to move any of those guys that you just said over to first base. And so it's just sort of like stacking a depth piece. It's a really break glass sort of move to me. Like if we're seeing Rivas in the majors this year, it's something horrible has happened, you know? Um, And they just think, well, if everything falls to shit, this is where we need our, our deep depth more than we need deep depth in the outfield. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, again, I don't want to harp on it too much because it's really an inconsequential move. These, both of these guys will probably not really impact any big league roster in any real way in the year, uh, up in 2024. It's, Mm -hmm. it's highly unlikely. It's like, it's more like, I I guess I always, I, I just always bias towards keeping that tool in the organization over going, for the guy who's kind of like mid-level at everything like yeah uh, well as fans we fans we all chase upside right right we we are the we always want the exciting you know the the person who can come up and hit a long ball even if they're going to strike out 40 percent of the time you know we want that um whereas organizations prefer that or maybe don't prefer but um generally try to strike more of a balance than what we want as fans yeah, it's it's purely just philosophical. Like I, right. if I was in charge, I would rather make a bet on the guy with 70 grade power potentially figuring it out than finding the guy who's a little older and has no one thing that pops off the page. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like raising the floor is good and Rivas probably yeah. raises the floor and 
It was prudent baseball move. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. His- it's like, I don't know. It's like buying homeowners insurance. Uh, it's not exciting. It's just what you do because it's the smart thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, easy cut if you do end up, uh, you know, finding someone better. Yeah. Which would also be great. Like aiming a little higher would also be great. Like, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> um, having, you know, we're obviously the 26th man on the roster is Matt Carpenter. So maybe that spot's taken up. But raising that floor on yeah. the on the bench, raising that floor in AAA is always more fun than getting the, you know, the 27-year-old first baseman who's not really yeah. a great fit for the position. But uh, again... Not the biggest deal. Maybe, maybe the Cardinals will click something in. Maybe Ali Marmol will work that Ali magic, and they'll yeah, find some power. That famous a, Ali yeah. magic that we all know and love. It's just like a little little princess sprinkling pixie mm-hmm. dust or whatever they do to 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 get the most out of this guy, dude. I'm I always think of Ali Marmol as someone who can sprinkle little magic princess dust or whatever you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's uh, that's what got him the job. Yeah, I know. We all know this. Uh, the Cardinals made another move that is potentially more impactful and and continues to be, um, you know, another uh, I don't know, sort of flyer or another another drop in this bucket of how the Cardinals have chosen to build their bullpen this off season. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What you want to run us down this one real quick? Yeah. So Josh James, who was a uh, a young reliever for the Astros for a handful of years, uh, although he's been quite injured since 2020, uh, the Cardinals signed uh, him. He's a, a right-handed reliever to a minor league contract. He's 30 years old. He really hasn't pitched for the last two seasons, and he was non-tendered by the Astros after undergoing season-ending surgery to pair his right flexor tendon in 20. 20- 22. Uh, the reason why I think this is exciting is he is still, he'll, he'll be 31 coming into this year. Um, and the guy has top, top shelf, uh, elite fastball velocity when he is mm-hmm. healthy. And like Nate already alluded to, I think bringing in arm talent, um, in all of its various shapes and forms and, and rehabs and, uh, unproven in minor league and whatever. I think it's all a good idea. And if you get Josh James when he's healthy, um, he's a guy that strikes out everybody. He's a guy whose fastball averages over 97 miles per hour, uh, can hit triple digits. And he's had a couple of seasons um, where he has been a very productive major league relief pitcher. Um, so all of those, like it makes sense. This is essentially... Yeah grabbing a player for free who has had past success. Um, and maybe he has a great spring training and he ends up in, in your bullpen somewhere. So yeah, we, we've talked about, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't know if we could be nicer to Mo and, and bloom and the whole group that has been putting this bullpen together. I think their methodology in this off season has been exactly what I want it to be. The only thing that they haven't done for me is gone and got the, the Josh Hader or yeah, like, uh, like one more, like we've got all these flyers, but we know these guys are going to stick because while I, while I have generally have some faith that the Cardinal bullpen as is today is going to be really good in 2024. 
there is still that element of like, okay, if Helsley gets hurt again, you know, everything starts to cascade from there. And what if nine out of 10 of these guys don't actually click like we want, you know, we, we end up kind of looking like we did at the back half of last year. Um, so I, I agree completely that that sort of cherry on top, the, the crown of the whole thing would have yeah. been nice with a, I mean, hater would have been crazy, but like really there was that him and then a whole tier of people below that. And many of which are still available. So we'll see, but it certainly seems like that's that ship has sailed and the Cardinals are more likely just yeah. going to keep doing this. But generally I like it. I mean, look at, if you're interested, look up Josh James in 2021. Yeah. Um, or sorry, uh, 20, 2019. So a little bit longer ago, but, um, you know, a four, a 14.67 K per nine, uh, over 61 innings. So I don't, that's almost a hundred strikeouts over 60 innings. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, he's a big guy too. Uh, if you look at his baseball savant, every there's just a lot of potential in this. He's not that young anymore. This 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 guy yeah. though. So I think young it makes a as lot far of sense. as innings pitched in the major oh, yeah. leagues. Um, but what's funny if you look at his steamer projection, uh, like I don't know where how they come up with this exact projection. He is projected uh, for 2024 one inning. <laughs> I. I'm going to predict right now that he bests that one inning. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think like talking about the pitching staff from like the 30,000 foot view, like pulling back for a second, if you are and punting is not the right word because Sonny Gray is a real major league starter. Miles Michaelis mm-hmm. should be fine. And then, you know, kind of descends from there. But if you're essentially kind of going in with this rotation, then it makes a ton of sense to have like 12 potential bullpen arms that you might yeah. have to pull on uh, or, or use at any point. And that's guys like Josh James, who I could see him really going either way. I could see him making the bullpen out of spring training. I could see him going to a triple a and getting called up, you know, when an injury happens. And there's a lot yeah. of guys that fit that same, uh, that, that same build. Like where's Matthew Libertor fitting in? Where's Simmer Berse, uh, Kloffenstein, um, hopefully Drew Rom isn't really making any serious major league dent, but there's a lot of those names that because of the nature of how the rotation is built. Yeah. Um, we're expecting a to... lot of innings from the, from the bullpen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the, the fact of how <laughs> yeah. this team is being built. And, you know, you play the hot hand in the bullpen and, um, they're giving themselves a lot of potential for hot hands and someone that we haven't talked about. If we're going to, if we're going to dig in on the bullpen a little bit, um, someone that we haven't talked about a lot recently, but I feel like has been maybe forgotten a little bit in this off season as, as this as this bullpen is being built is the ascension of Jojo Romero at the end of last year. I'm very excited about Jojo Romero. Um, and I think, you know, between Helsley Gallegos and Romero, Kittredge. Well, yeah, now Kittredge is in there, but like just from the in-house young, have a ton of control sorts of guys like Romero, I think is going to be a a big piece. Um, And yeah, Kittredge, I, I, I will not be surprised if he is our seventh or eighth inning guy, um, but like out of the gates, frankly, but definitely by uh, the end of April. Yeah. I, 
I there's we're talking. There's a lot of reason to be really optimistic on how the Cardinals are set up from the bullpen. Andre Pallante and the Death Ball are uh, are coming to life in the off season. If you should we watch Dead Ball again in honor of <laughs> Pallante? Is so, so you're, you're familiar with the Death Ball and this whole thing that's that's being developed right now, right? Yeah, kind of. But if you want to give uh, an so, overview. So really, uh, all you really need to know is that the death ball is a curveball that essentially spins less efficient, efficiently, meaning that it has less drag on the air. So it breaks like a curveball, but you throw it in like the mid 80s. Um, yeah. And the spin being less efficient tricks the batter's eyes into thinking the ball is going to bite more because they're used to seeing a traditional curveball, yeah. um, and tread athletics, which is a, like uh, a pitching and hitting factory. I think it's in Florida or something like that. It does another look- drive line, right? Yeah. Like they're the same sort of thing, yeah. like a third party lab for baseball. Right. And, and they are kind of getting credit for teaching Jordan Montgomery, the death ball. Andre Pallante is now learning the death ball. Other players are learning the death ball. And if you go back to uh, the uh, the Rangers versus uh, Astros uh, championship series this year, Jordan or Jordan Alvarez uh, got bested by Jordan Montgomery's death ball like three ABs in a row, and it kind of got a lot of a lot of press around that. And long story, like all I was trying to get at is is death ball a good name for a pitch, or is that stupid? <laughs> I I I. I was sitting here thinking, like, what a hilarious name for like a curveball, you know? Yeah, it's like, basically like just an augmented curveball. Yeah, we really everything, you know, everything just keeps ramping up, right? This is this is a death ball, yeah, an eighty mile per hour curveball. Um, I think it's pretty stupid, but I also <laughs> I like I, I like yeah. like the more absurd we can make anything and everything, especially if yeah. something that is so buttoned up. Like it does sound a little more appealing. If you're like, you're like, Oh, I know you're not a new baseball. You're not a big baseball fan, but have you heard about the death ball that they're developing? Yeah. Come on in. Welcome to the sport. <laughs> right. Yeah. Does that welcome people or does that just alienate it? It's just for us freaks. It just goes and, and it alienates other people. Yeah, pro- yeah, probably the latter because when you do sh- like, oh, I, I want to hear about this dead ball or death ball. Yeah. And then you watch, you're like, oh. Well, like, let okay, me I tell thought- you about spin efficiency and drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean it doesn't split in half and there's razor wire in between the two <laughs> halves and it cuts someone's head off? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's much. I mean, I I find it interesting, and I'm sure yeah. some people listening to this find it interesting. But is it interesting? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like next is gonna be like we've developed the massacred ball. Yeah, decapitation and, zone. Yeah, it's just like a slightly <laughs> augmented sinker. So it like, yeah, it it cuts a little bit instead of sinks and or, uh, runs and yeah. Multi-ball. Now that would be exciting. Yes. Yeah. Would you, if that rule existed, would you have to throw them both in the same hand at the same time? No, I can't imagine. I think, well, hmm, interesting. So if we're introducing multi-ball into baseball. Yeah. I I think you're throwing back-to-back pitches in like 
a con- concentrated amount of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you are, you throw one and then you have to like wind up and throw the second really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so the hitter can hit both. And if both go into play, they're both in play. Um, or you could I, wait I, for one. Okay. Here, here's my suggestion. And then maybe okay. we should get back to the show. But mm. what I would do if I was setting this rule, if you're a right-handed pitcher, the shortstop comes up behind you and you th- both throw a ball uh, over the uh, plate at the exact same time. But if the batter gets a hit, that batter gets a double, whatever the reward. So if it was good, mm. if they got a single, it becomes a double. If they got a double, it's to. a home run. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how we do a triple, but I want two balls at the same time. How about let's, let's take it off of the pitcher and the batter. We're putting multi-ball solely in the, in the hands of the defense. On the offense. And, yeah. No, on defense. So here's what oh, happens. Okay. There's a air cannon, um, like back behind the up and above the 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 umpire maybe, but like right, right. behind the the battery. And okay. um, uh, you know, we have these cameras now that uh, are are tracking the exact exit velocity, the exact long chain angle, everything. Oh, okay. And so interesting. You you make contact, and I'd say maybe there's like a multi ball zone. You know, so if it's like a uh, 13% launch angle at a exit velocity of uh, 91.2 or above, it triggers a multi-ball and that cannon fires a second ball out into the field yeah. at the uh, at like maybe either the opposite angle of where the, the ball of the bat went or maybe in the same angle. So now like the right fielder has two balls they have to deal with. I think countering the angle would be if somebody hits a screaming liner down the right field line, and then a screaming liner is also going down the left field line. <laughs> that would be really exciting. Yeah. I forget what they do. Uh, Blurns ball in, in Futurama has a, has a multi ball. And I think it just fire. I think like something, like something comes out of the ground and like eight balls just come out and start yeah. bouncing around. But I like my idea. A single ball just <laughs> fired out of a cannon, matching the velocity and angle of the one that came off the bat. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. If you have a better idea for multi bowl, <laughs> tweet us at Talk About Birds on Twitter or, or email us yeah. talking about birds at Gmail. Yeah, we'd love to hear your ideas on multi ball. Um, what were we talking about before this? The I guess the the dead ball. Josh James. <laughs> yeah, Josh James. Yes. Josh James. Oh, Andre Pallante. Uh, yeah. The bullpen. The bullpen will be good. Yeah, right. Probably. The bullpen will be good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. So. <laughs> Um, spring training has obviously been announced and we're starting to see uh lists of who's been invited. We have our non roster invitees list, a chance for, uh, you know, young players to make a, uh, make a name for themselves. Maybe some people yeah. were picked up, uh, off waivers, you know, just a real chance for these guys to, to really show what they've got. Um, anyone kind of standing out to you on the, on this list of non roster invitees? I think all Cardinals fans are probably pretty excited to see Cesar Prieto and Thomas mm-hmm. Sejaci, uh for yeah. really the first time, um, you know, with the rest of the big club, first time that they'll be on like proper television. Uh, mm-hmm. I am, I, I'm very excited about both these players. I'm exceedingly excited about Sejaci and, and yeah. where he is going to land. I think that there, there's a lot of interesting players on this list. Uh, Victor Scott, also a very interesting player. Of course. I am curious 
because of Sajacy's age, because of how he performed last year, I'm I I'm curious if he has like a Brendan Donovan path in front of him. If he mm-hmm. could maybe leapfrog some other people and end up cracking the big league roster with a strong spring spring training, he he seems to kind of have that error about him. Mm-hmm. And with it, I think he's 23, 24 years old. And, um, the Cardinals, he, he's a Cardinals kind of player. He's, he's one of those right. guys that they like to do this with. They did it with Paul DeYoung, um, and Matt Carpenter back in the day. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens. And again, just getting my fur, my eyes on, on Prado, um, and on a big league field and, and all that is going to be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, same. And, you know, we were just talking about the bullpen. Vilking Rodriguez is on here. He's a guy yeah. that we really didn't get last year, and I'm excited to see what he could possibly do. Um, we've got Takoa Roby on there, who I think we'll see in 2024. Yeah. Um, at the big league level. Um, you know, Tink Hentz should be fun. Um, gotta give a shout out to Archimedes Gamboa, uh, S tier name on the team. I'm no just kidding. hoping for some Archimedes Gamboa content just for the name alone. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, you know, the Cardinals have an interesting, um, prospect list. You know, we were talking about it two weeks ago where like a lot of names on the top 500, no one that is, there's not anyone on here that is like a star coming into spring training in the same way that like maybe we had a Jordan Walker last year. Right. Um, but some people that I think we will likely see as Cardinals for a long time, this is their first spring with us. Yeah. And, uh, it's exciting. Well, I'll push back on that a little bit. I do think that there. So I said to JC, he could, he could, a solid spring could allow him to yeah. crack the roster. Um, and I think all eyes are going to be on Victor Scott, right? He's had yeah. a, a very exciting uh, four or five months postseason uh, after the baseball season. And I think um, while I don't expect him to steal the center field job from Dylan Carlson and Tommy Edmond, like he could. Uh, it's not. Yeah. There's not. Like I think a, we're all expecting him to be the center fielder by the end of the year. Just when right. and when that happens, and why does it happen? Either from his own exceeding performance, or maybe the you know the lack of someone else's performance. We'll see what yeah. version of his come up looks like. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, possibly. I I I would say that it's still not the same sort of hype as someone like Jordan Walker coming in. Like it was the story of last spring was Jordan Walker. And and while this is a story, I think there's a lot of guys like I think that JC is very similar where it's like he is almost certainly going to be a major league player in 2024. I I feel pretty certain of that. Um, Is it out of the gates or is it uh, in August? You know, we'll we'll see. Right. Um, I'll, I'll pick on two other guys and I'll, I don't think that they're under organizational pressure by any means, but I'm kind of looking at this spring training as being fairly important for Michael McGreevy and mm-hmm. Cooper Jerpy, uh, mm-hmm. Jerpy healthy. Um, for me, it's, it's a real big question. Is he going to be a starter or is he going to turn into a reliever? Um, and, and I don't think that this spring training is going to like set that in stone, but I think it will tell us quite a bit. And then McGreevy, he, uh, he didn't have the greatest 2023 and I'm curious to see what he looks like coming back from that. Uh, if his velo is up at all and, uh, um, just to see kind of what we got. Um, again, I don't think the Cardinals are like ready to cut, uh, these guys by any means, right. but, um, 
I think important spring trainings for both of those young pitchers. Yeah. Well, they're getting into the point where like the hype is dying down. And so now they're entering into post hype types of guys. And, and that is, uh, you know, where some people flourish. And it also might be sort of the last you start to hear some of these names before they just sort of blend back into the minor league organization. Um, so, yeah, I mean, also just high level. It's fun to talk about uh, spring training and the players that will be playing. Um, it's coming so soon. We're almost there, is. people. Uh, so we wanted to touch on the interview that Xavier Scruggs, great guy. I love Xavier Scruggs. Everybody loves Xavier Scruggs. It is but, kind um, of like for such a nothing player, he's done quite well for himself post playing. Yeah. Well, it's he's one of those dudes. He's he turned his access and you know, he's he's more personality than maybe player, and he turned yeah. that into a, a career, which is awesome. Yeah, um, he's very charming so, yeah. and and yeah, it's all yeah. must be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Xavier Scruggs uh, interviewed Ali Marmol, and uh, it was kind of interesting. Do you want to you want to talk yeah. us through it? It it was interesting. There were interesting parts. It was nice seeing Ali Marmol not. <laughs> <laughs> with his back against the wall and like <laughs> s- like scratching and clawing at Derek Gould and Katie Wu and 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 our, our lovely uh, uh beat reporters uh who are, are in there every day. Um because it kinda that's kinda like the last image I have of Ali Marmol. He he kind of cooled down at the end of the season once it was all done, but it was nice to see him. He was in street clothes. Um, you know, they talked about how Xavier Scruggs and Ali Marmol played together in the minor league. So they have mm-hmm. a, you know, existing relationship. Um, and, you know, I think like it's easy to forget how young Ali Marmol is, especially for his role. But in the right. interview, um, and, and uh, you know, this is, we, we knew this before, but it kind of reminded me of the fact that he managed his first major league or a, a professional game when he was, I think he said 24 years old. Yeah. Um, so, well, he's, he's been the wonder kid, you know, or yeah. Wunderkind or whatever, kid. like, yeah, from, from, for so long. It's part of the reason he is in the position he is now. It's just kind of amazing. Like, especially when you're going from, uh, the other two guys who have managed the Cardinals recently, uh, Mike Matheny, who had not a day of managing a baseball team before he mm-hmm. got the big job. And then Mike Schilt, who had kind of scratched and clawed for 25 years to finally get right. to a spot. Then you have this guy who uh, is already in the bigs before most players even hang up their cleats. You know, it's, it's right. pretty amazing. So I think, I think it was good to kind of check ourselves on that. He's still young. He, he still has a lot of room to grow. Um, and there is a reason why he's here. He's, he's special. He did things that a lot of other people have never done hence him getting the position at his age. Um, and I want to like Ali Marmol. Um, See, I, I yeah, don't really same. know my rationale behind that, but I want to root for him. Well, I think that's our, you know, we like to say that we're a positive podcast, right? Yeah. Like, you know, obviously the last year has resulted in all of us becoming a little more cynical and a little more negative about the general like state of the Cardinals and the, and Marmol and everybody top to bottom. Chief, <laughs> yeah. Chief Beef DeWitt himself. You know, like <laughs> there's a lot of, um, you know, negativity and and rightfully so. But like, I, I think that's not what our our base state is. Yeah. We were all very excited when Marmol got hired because of all of this pedigree and that like unique path and how young he is and, and whatnot. And 
a lot of that is soured after after 23 but like i'm ready to love <laughs> you know i'm i okay. i want to like marmol <laughs> i want to like all of them you yeah, know yeah sure um the other thing I thought was interesting from the conversation was he, he really talked about analytics, how the Cardinals use analytics, um, and how he is constantly having debates and conversations with the analytics department around game management. Um, mm-hmm. And he also, and he said this um, with a certain level of authority, but he sets the lineups. It is not yeah. being handed down to him. And... You know, I I never know what to think of these conversations. Is it something that we should even really care about? But I that again, this this interview, he he was down to earth. He was still toting the company line. He's still a Cardinals lifer. He's still sure. You know, some of the lines are fed, but it reminded me of why we should like Ali Marmol. He embraces analytics. He uses them as a tool. He can explain those things to the players. And hopefully, if his team is an absolute dog shit this year, he can deploy those analytics in an efficient way um, uh, that allows the team to yeah. be maybe a little bit better than they look on paper because he's being smart, dynamic, and, and quick. Yeah. I mean, we said we, we, I think we at least tried to walk this line last year where we were saying, like, generally speaking, Marmol's game decisions were good or or fine. Like I don't yeah. I never really had a problem with him in the bullpen. Everyone loves to nitpick the individual decisions post game, but it's like when everybody is playing terribly, it kind of doesn't matter what decision you make when your entire bullpen is taxed and there are no more good options available out there like yeah, sure, maybe this guy would have had a better outcome than this guy, but you're kind of fucked either way so yeah like i think generally speaking i've liked his game management and his lineups are fine you know we weren't getting matt carpenter batting for <laughs> um well not yet yeah. at least we'll right. see <laughs> coming but um it, it was all the all the other stuff surrounding it yeah the, the people manager stuff that we had the yeah. concerns with um so i'm not you know i don't think that's necessarily new information that he is is so connected to the analytics um, but it is a nice refresher, you know, when it when it is so when everything about him and his management style, ha- style has been so clouded by such a shit season. It, I think it, it does help to be reminded that I, he he's trying to approach it the way that we as metric, um, you know, uh, led fans, I think you and I like yeah. we, we you know, we we really value that. And so I think he wants that, too, which is good. I think it would be healthy for us and Ali and Cardinals fans to kind of hit. We need a, a little refresher. We need a little reset button. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs. A, we, I think we need to take a beat, and and it's all going to be fine. And we need to wash last year out of our hair. I, I'm ready to love Ben. I'm ready to go into 2024 right, right. now. The Cardinals are projected to be in the top six or seven of the nl <laughs> um you know and that's the playoffs baby and i want some playoff is. baseball and uh you know we don't know what the cubs are going to do yet but some yeah. names are coming off the board and they're still not on the cubs yet so right now you know well and this is what i talk everybody's so pessimistic about those projections it's like do you yeah. like you have to look at what projections are doing they're not saying this is going to happen they're saying that on average this is what yeah. is like the Run most a million likely. times exactly these are the odds yeah so what yeah. that means is that the cardinals floor is much higher than i think a lot of 
people yeah. think it is. That's all that this means is that they have there's a lot of mitigated risk assuming last year doesn't happen, which seems unlikely because of all the reasons that we've talked about over and over again. But the people getting mad at projection systems is always hilarious to me. It's like, yeah, this is a computer. <laughs> Most teams don't have Goldschmidt, Arenado, Walker, New Bar, yeah. Wilson Contreras. You know, the, the core of the Cardinals is good. So yeah. is is yeah. great, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll move on to somebody. We already were making fun of them a little bit, um, but somebody who's not part of the core of the Cardinals um, and who is kind of a man without a home right now. Like if you look at roster resource on fan graphs, Alec Burleson is not on the 26 man roster. And now is that because of Matt Carpenter? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? Maybe. Which not. is funny because roster resource is very good and roster re- and he is on the 26 man. So roster resource is kind of saying like, yeah, but is he really on the 26 <laughs> man? <laughs> yeah. If you're which, not familiar, roster resources, a, suck, a section within fan graphs yeah. uh, that really projects what uh, someone's roster will look like. It, it gives you a ton of information from like yeah. their salary to their uh, service time to just kind of everything you might want to know for like a high level view of someone's roster. And it tries to in the in the uh, preseason like this, it tries to project like the depth charts and things like that and it 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 updates all season it's great the uh and just to make sure we're all on the same page here the current projected bench for the cardinals is ivan herrera matt carpenter jose fermin and dylan carlson which is probably pretty accurate maybe swap out fermin for the jc or or one of those other guys we're talking about maybe burleson but anyways back to burleson uh he chatted about his offseason homework and uh, what was described as a no-holds-barred talk kick-started an offseason in which Burleson changed his diet, dropped 12 pounds, and drilled so much in the outfield that he feels much more comfortable out there. Uh, when talking to John Denton of MLB.com, uh, Burleson said, The body, uh, getting everything moving better, losing weight, getting faster. I'm checking all those boxes. I'm ticking off a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish this offseason. It's coming together. Um, and I, you know, I, I think when there are, when there's reporting like this, when there are stories like this, I think you always take it with a grain of salt. I think when you're looking at a guy who's had the track record of offensive success that Alec Burleson has had, and the fact that last year was his first real year uh, in the big leagues and, and getting acclimated and everything like that, not to mention how much bad luck he had last year. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think. I think you can have permission to get a little hyped on this. I think it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering why Ben's volume sort of went real low real quick there while he was screaming about Alec Burleson, it's because he threw his hands up in the air and, and <laughs> leaned backwards to like almost lament to the gods about uh, Alec Burleson's bad I'm luck. getting excited over here, Nate. Yeah. Yeah, well, same. I mean, this is it's a little bit, you know, best shape of his life, which is like a trope well, of, of right. spring. You know, you gotta be everyone's, with that. Yeah. everyone's in the best shape of their life, which is great. You know, we want that, of course. But like, you're going to hear this a lot. Everyone's coming in best shape of their life. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Walker now weighs 450 pounds. and can bench press a, tr- a truck. You know, like we're going to be hearing these stories. Yeah. Right. So you do want, like you already said, you want to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. But um, but w- what I look for is are people targeting areas that they know they need to be better and making concerted effort to improve right. those. And, uh, you know, 
whether losing weight is, you know, whatever the, like the, the weight thing for these monsters is so like fickle for some people two sixty is small and, you know, losing 12 pounds, like for one guy means something. And for another guy, it's like, yeah, I, you know, you lose that much in an afternoon. But, um, anyway, him saying like, I, I specifically wanted to get better in the outfield and I wanted to be more mobile makes a lot of sense for him yeah. because he's going to be fighting for playing time. And if they can't trust him in the outfield, I think we saw last year that like the Cardinals went briefly with this idea of we'll just out hit the out, like our bad outfield will just out hit yeah. the, the runs they're giving up. And I think they don't want to do that anymore. So they need to have some reasonable confidence that Alec Burleson is not going to be absolute trash out there. So he needs to do that. And then just, yeah, he's a big dude and he's not particularly fast. And so, um, but he hits the shit out of the ball. So just that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Increasing mobility with that bat speed or that, that exit velocity, like the, that's a recipe for success. When you're, when you're evaluating a player, look, you know, max or average exit velocity and then mobility, ability to get down and around the base paths are such key indicators to long-term success at the MLB level. And so he kind of already has the hit the shit out of the ball side of it. Now being able to do the mobility and not be a shitty outfielder, like it makes a lot of sense to me that he's targeting this thing. So um, we were both like, you know, really, uh, really hammering the like, we like Alec Burleson uh, train last year, even though he consistently had like virtually no success. Um, But I'm, I'm also hyped about him this year. I think I, I love to hear those things. I we'll see how it translates to results, but it sounds like he's been targeting what matters. Yeah. It, you, you, when you look at his numbers from last year and you look at his career numbers and you look at the underlying metrics that like you're talking about the v- velocity and all that stuff, like he's been in his first year, not only was the defense not great, but he had had a lot of bad luck. And if these two yeah. things can coalesce, where he is moderately better in the outfield and has average luck, mm-hmm. could be a pretty good player. Like, uh, like you know, maybe a couple war off the bench. Maybe he steals some starts in right field. He's got a strong arm. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to yeah. believe. Yeah, same. I, I think like the the upside is there it doesn't necessarily look like it and even his projections were pretty bad i think you and i talked about that recently like we were expecting a little bit better because of the uh um uh, because of the underlying numbers um but i i'm still pretty high on alec burles and i know you and i both said like he's also a very good trade candidate which is also true two things can be true you can be we can be very excited about Burleson and also think he probably should be traded. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I would love for him to, on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to be for him to be a Cardinal and for him to be successful. Like there, there will likely be at bats at DH at first yeah. base and at right field. And so um, see what he can do with him. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Chief beef. That's what I was calling him last year, but he's, <laughs> he's thinned down. Yeah. <laughs> It's a couple less, a couple of fewer in the new uh, chief beef, beef and oh for sure, yes, <laughs> beef and cheddar. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about, uh, cardinal specific before we move no. on? No. Okay. Well, we're gonna touch on a bunch of the movement around the league. Some some pretty big uh, news 
this last week. Um, but before we do, we want to remind everybody that this show is listener supported on Patreon. If you've been enjoying the show and want to support us and uh, support its continued existence and the work that goes into bring it to you every single week, uh, we would absolutely uh, love and appreciate if you joined our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash talking about birds. We have a number of different uh, um, sort of perks and things like that um, that you can take advantage of. Uh, the the one that everyone gets for joining the Patreon is access to the Birdscord. Uh, it's a private Discord server. Having a, a constant bunch of great conversation in there. It's a really good place if you're looking for cardinal conversation, but away from the noise of the broader social media um, you know, that is out there right now. It's a great place. We're also going to be uh, recruiting for our second annual fantasy baseball league, uh, oh, yeah. which I'll be defending my title. Come at me. Um, so I lame. can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Uh, I think we'll, we'll start that up, start setting dates and things on that pretty soon. Um, so yeah, talking about bird or patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, if you want to support the show in a different way, consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It really does help. It helps us show up in search results and 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 trending and things like that, which podcasts are still primarily spread through word of mouth or things like that. So, um, you know, we we are really appreciative and grateful for people who have written us reviews um, like. Uh, the review from J slash Hota, who uh, called us a comforting St. Louis Cardinals podcast, wow. which um, a surprising word choice, but I love that. Um, so thank you. Um, we are comforted by your listenership, J Hota. So it's going to be you. a real sicko to be comforted by this. <laughs> Uh, thank you to this person for writing this thing. You real sicko has been called you. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ben, where can people find us online? Otherwise? Yeah. You find us on Twitter at talk about birds. Uh, we are on Instagram at talking about birds. You can email us thoughts, questions, concerns, threats to talk about birds at gmail.com. We have a TikTok. You can follow us on TikTok. Uh, this podcast is available on Spotify. You can listen to us there and we can be in your wrapped at the end of the year. Listen to us a bunch. And uh, I don't know. We'll like that, I guess. Uh, you can find all of that information at TalkingAboutBirds.com. Again, that's TalkingAboutBirds.com. And do not forget, Nathan, I'm talking to you. Benjamin. Um, you could do this, too, if you wanted to. You can call us at 848-48-BIRDS. That's 848-482-4737. Call us, leave us a voicemail, give us a text message, however you'd like to interact, but reach out, holler at your boy, um, and yeah, that's everything. Yeah. I meant to bring this up last week, but we completely forgot to plug the phone number on our 100th episode last week, so oh, man. we got a, a fun message from Michael Q in Canada. Uh, suggesting a new t-shirt design, which was great. Uh, so, you know, whatever it is that you want to talk to us about, let us know, text or call. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're desperate. We're happy to hear it. Yep. Um, all right. So there was some big news over the last week, both on the field and off the field. Ben, why yeah. don't you run us through some of it? Yeah, I think this is some of my favorite news of the offseason. Off Being somebody mm -hmm. who cares about the Orioles and just the health of baseball and good owners. And, you know, we complain about the Angelos family all the time on this show because 
they're idiots. Um, well, guess what? Great news, Orioles fans and, and baseball fans. They are selling the team. The Orioles have reportedly been sold uh, to a group led by two private equity billionaires, uh, led by a man named David Rubenstein, who is a native of Baltimore and is known for his charitable endeavors, uh, along with a couple of other people. Uh, there's also reports that uh, smaller ownership roles um, or uh, other people have bought into it. One of those people being Cal Ripken Jr., um, which I think is a sign that this new ownership group plans to spend money and be competitive. It would be very hard for me to imagine them roping up, up a former, well, a Hall of Famer, a former Oriole great um, without the intention to kind of push the chips in a little bit further than the Angelos family uh, has done previously. Um, yeah. another little point of, uh, news here is that, you know, for the, all the, um, complaining and, uh, press leaking and all the things of how baseball is not a profitable sport for owners, it should be noted that the Angelos family purchased the Orioles for $173 million in 1993, which by the way, at that time, people were reporting, how, how are they going to fill the team with players? When they're spending that much on the team, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. So they turned their $173 million investment into $1.725 billion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. One other. And then we love it, don't talk. we, folks? We love it. I'm so happy that they were able to do that for themselves. Yeah. The other factor that I think is funny and, and interesting about this is that the Orioles are valued, obviously, a market value. They just sold for one point. Uh, $725 billion. And I know the A's are trying to sell for $2 billion. That seems like an impossibility. If you compare <laughs> those two franchises, um, assets, players, uh, uh, market, everything, um, yeah. there's no Although way. It, the Orioles in Oakland would or maybe be like a successful team in Oakland, maybe yeah. more valuable than a successful team in Baltimore. But I, you know, but I don't, they're not. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, you're obviously buying a, a, a shit product if you are buying the, <laughs> the athletic, but like, you know, you're, you you're buying the laundry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a difficult time putting my faith in private uh, equity uh, people who are, you know, buying this team. But as far as what we do know about them, certainly seems like they're going to be better than the Angelos uh, group, which is a low bar to jump, but we right. so, still seems like they can jump that bar. Uh, I also know uh, one of the main guys, he's 74, old, 74 years old. So as you and I have said a lot, we like them old. Secret weapon. Yes. We want them. We want them near death, chasing those legacies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, we want our old, older, <laughs> we want our owners old and dying. That's yes. the best chance we've got at, yes. uh, at managing towards winning versus managing towards bottom line. Fully, fully agree and fully co-sign <laughs> now watch, like we'll see how the, uh, you know, these things usually take a while, but I yeah. wonder if this means they'll go sign a Jordan Montgomery and a Blake Snell and, and a Cody Belling. Are they going to make some big ownership? Will it happen splash? immediately? There yeah. are still big names out there. And, uh, if the Orioles added a single starting pitcher of note, that would, uh, they would be in such a better spot. Yeah. Um, it has been fraught, like 
honestly, it's been idiotic the way that they've been running the team the last couple yeah. of years. Like, make a decision, improve the team. You're you are so flush with young talent. Take advantage yeah. of it. Yeah, they're kind of like the Marlins, where it's been they they obviously have very strong player development, and they have a ton of brilliant people on the ground doing right. the job. But the the high end, the final decision makers on what you do with the money to go out and augment the club outside of player development has been trash. So, um, yeah, hopefully they're better. It'll be better for the sport. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I agree. Oh, it's just so much. Yeah, especially in the East, it's so much fun over there. Yeah. Um, in other news, the Mariners have acquired Jorge Polanca, Polanco from the Twins for reliever Justin Topa, starter Anthony DeScalfani, uh, prospects Gabriel Gonzalez and Darren Bowen. Kind of a, we were talking about this a little bit before the show. It's like kind of a big deal, but also not a big deal. But the Mar- uh, Mariners are probably better and the Twins are probably better. It's fine, yeah. I guess. Well, I don't know that the Twins are necessarily better in 2024 from this trade, um, though maybe, um, you know, this is definitely they, they a... Get- they get uh they can put Julian at second and who's a yeah. seems to be promising. They get De Scalfani and they get Topa, which are good for right now. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel Gonzalez is uh is a relatively well regarded prospect. So he's maybe the highest ceiling of anyone on this, except for right. maybe De Scalfani if he truly returned to, you know, effective starter. That's obviously very valuable. Um and then from the Mariners side, like I like this trade for the Mariners. The Mariners yeah. are in win now mode, um, and they 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 need help all over the place. But like offense is where they really need. They need more pieces there. And Blanco, uh, he's had a couple injury uh, ridden seasons, but when he's healthy, he's good. He's underrated. You know, he hit thirty three bombs in twenty twenty one last year. He was on about a three war pace. Uh, you know, but he only played half the season. And so if they can just plug in a three war offensive first player in at second base, like yeah, I think it's a good move for him. And they didn't necessarily give up any like Gabriel Gonzalez might become something, but as of right now, they didn't really give up anything that helps them or they didn't give up anything that will hurt their 2024 season. All they did, in my opinion, is help their 2024 season. And so I think it's a good move for them. I mean, the Mariners have just been flinging trades left and right. This is the, they the, really have acquisition of Desclafani was confusing. So here's the other side of that. You know, it it uh, I think it's a good move for them. This could yeah. be a win win trade for both sides. Yeah, the uh, Mariners have added Jorge Polanco, Mitch Garver, Luke Rayleigh, Mitch Haniger, Luis Urias, and Sebi Z- Zavala to their 26 man roster. Just really in the past month and a half or something like yeah. that. Uh, DePoto has just been going ham. Uh, yeah. and yeah, I think it's all been pretty good. Um, yeah, for the most part, I think they've it's been, it's a weird team, but with that yeah. pitching staff, it, it, they just got to hit a little bit. The pitching and Julio as your core, like they just need, like, that's why I like the Julio or the, this Polanco trade. This is a big lift the floor thing. Yeah. He's not going to go and win them the division, but he's going to help everything be a little bit better. So yeah. I think it's a good move for him. Pretty solid. Uh, moving down, we got quite a few free agent signings over this past week. Uh, the Mets have just re-signed Adam Adovino. One year, $4.5 million. Um, 
I'll, I'll say this about a couple of the moves I'm going to talk about here soon, but that's one that like the Cardinals just go get a guy like that. A guy yeah. with a little bit of track record, that salary is nothing. Um, it moves the needle slightly. Um, but yeah, I like that move. It's a yeah. smart, cheap move. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a bunch of, you, there's like five uh, reliever signings on this list that yeah, all like, yeah, this, this, this would have been nice for the Cardinals. Well, I'll, I'll hit the other reliever signings and then we'll, we'll do the rest. The Rangers signed David Robertson one year, 11.5 million. This, uh, and I, I'll say this about the next one. Also, this was one that I think made a lot of sense for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like David Robertson. He's been really, really good for a long time. Um, would I pay that much for him? That's probably a little more yeah. than he's worth, but, um, I like the deal for the Rangers. Yeah. They're flush uh, with W S money world series wow. money, baby. All right. Uh, the Cubbies. You brief it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was sick. I loved it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, the Cubbies sign Hector Neris one year, 9 million bucks. Um, another guy that'll slot into the back of their bullpen that could have been a Cardinal. Uh, the Padres, they're having such a weird offseason. They're like, we're going to train Juan Soto, and then we're going to give relievers four years or longer. <laughs> yeah, um, every reliever gets around $5 million, but we're going to have them for years. Yeah, it's very bizarre. They signed Wandy Peralta, uh, four years, $16.5 million bucks. Sure. Um, I don't, they're doing the same thing the Cardinals are doing, except for with they're doing it with major league contracts uh, at yeah. low million dollar amounts. It's bizarre. Yeah. Not what I would do. Um, but yeah, here we are. Um, the Blue Jays have signed Justin Turner to a one year, $13 million deal. Good move. He had, I a, think, he had a good yeah. year last year. Yeah. And it's Justin Turner. Everyone loves Justin Turner. I you really know? think they should have brought back Matt Chapman rather than going with essentially IKF and Justin Turner at third base. That's um, but I bet he has a good year. Um, leadership, uh, uh, you know, um, beardness, um, AL East pedigree, uh, championship uh, caliber player, so on and so forth. All yeah. those looking at his year last year, I didn't realize just how bad he was defensively. So maybe they'll, uh, well, maybe he DH'd a lot last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, we'll see that what penalized him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where they, uh, where they stick him. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Everyone seems to love Justin Turner. It's just made me kind of like him too. Yeah. Adam Frazier and the Royals, uh, link up on a one year, $8 million deal. Um, it's about as boring as a major league contract gets, but Adam Frazier is still a big league player. What are the Royals going to be next year? Nate, it is. I don't, I don't really get them. Um, third place in the AL central. Are they trying? I, well, so I think that they are, I don't know about the Frazier deal. Um, yeah, but like, you know, I, they're, they're obviously in rebuild there. Then maybe this falls into it. They've clearly been signing guys on one year deals, hoping that they pop a little bit and they can trade them, which I think is yeah. a smart move. You know, sure. um, they did that with Araldus Chapman last year. Maybe that's what they're doing with him here. You know, he's had some success in the past. Um, this is definitely a lift of the floor move. They need right. more than that, but they also have some very exciting high end players. Bobby Witt might be one of the best players in baseball now. And so 
like sometimes you can just lift the floor around those sorts of guys and you start to start to win games. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it it would be fun if they yeah. were good. Um, and let's see. Oh, yes, we have the Diamondbacks signed Jock Peterson, one year, twelve point five million dollars. Um, this one, I mean, I don't think there's too much analysis to do. The uh Diamondbacks need a little more power. They go get a guy who provides one thing, which is power, um, at a one year deal. I think, you know, pretty much no brainer. Uh and, yeah. and probably good for the World Series losers, I, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not too expensive, and he's been bouncing around, and he hit ball hard, so he should be good. Ball hard, yeah. Uh, and final piece of news: the Tigers signed Colt Keith, uh, a infield prospect with a decent uh, reputation, to a twenty-eight point six four two five million dollar contract. Thanks for going uh, that deep on the on the decimals. Yeah, I got you. Uh, so six years, twenty eight point six four two five million. The contract can max out at eighty two million dollars over nine years uh, with three club options. And um, this is a, an exciting deal uh, for a number of reasons. I think Colt Keith is probably going to be a, a fairly solid bat first prospect, uh, and this means he'll probably start on the big league roster, which getting yeah. young, talented guys on the big league roster is always good. Um, I think it's signaling that the Tigers front office is done being stupid. And I think they were <laughs> caught with Alavila. Uh, I mean, they just have some terrible contracts in the past yeah. 10, 15 years. Uh, and this one, they're they're putting themselves out there a little bit. Um, but I still think it's smart. Um, yeah. The kid gets a little security. Uh, and the last thing I want to say is like the kind of this kind of thing I'd love to see the Cardinals do. Yeah. Jordan Walker, yeah, it, Mason, Wynn, so, Lars Newbar, Brendan Don. Yeah. There's so many names that you could pick that a deal like this would make a lot of sense. And the Cardinals just have shown an unwillingness to do that for the past. I don't know. Was Paul DeYoung the last one that they extended early? Um, yeah, maybe they'll, and most of their extensions have all gone horribly when they have decided to do it. Matt Carpenter, well, extending uh, a guy when he's 22 and extending a guy when he's 34 are two very different things. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, obviously, I think we all have been clamoring for the, this version for Jordan Walker. It's the it's one of the reasons why the Braves are just so freaking good and will right. be for the foreseeable future because they've locked up all these dudes the moment they show um, some long-term capacity at the major league level or right before they reach that level, like Colt Keith. I think Colt Keith is going to be very good. And, um, you know, now he has generational wealth and the Tigers have some uh, security. So um, I don't know what this would look like for the for Jordan Walker at this point. Um, I think there was, we saw enough in 2023 that it would probably need to be a lot more than what Colt Keith just got. Um, but yeah. I still think no matter what, it's a discount than what he will likely get when he uh every year he's just going to get more expensive um, yeah but we also we don't know what jordan walker wants you know they're like we do want to avoid the trap of just assuming everybody is open to something like this and that like these things can just be done uh no matter what like there's a possibility that jordan walker's like hell no i know what sure. i'm worth sure. i'll i'll yeah. take six years of only making 
you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, millions through arbitration for my fat payday when I'm 26 or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, he's going to hit free agency at what, 25 or 26 years old. Like he's, he's set up. Cardinals like, don't sign golden. up before then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to just assume that the Cardinals aren't doing it because they don't want to, but maybe they've had those conversations and just, we don't know how it went, but, um, but yeah, like this is the thing that it seems like smart organizations are doing now. So, uh, yeah, right yet Cardinals, yep. the guy right now to do it. If you really believe it, the guy to do it for right now is Mason Wynn. His value has not like last year we saw the defense, but there's still the risk of the bat not coming around. And so if you really want that, like, deal that's going to end up being crazy excess value he's the he's the guy to do it for yeah but uh you know i again i don't think it's going to happen well we have no reason to think it will um, because (laughs) it hasn't so yeah good for the tigers Uh, though um yeah yeah. uh that wraps up league news all right ben well as we head into 2024 the cardinals are set to go in with their eighth different starting outfield in the last eight years. Wow. And so today, I'm going to see how well you remember oh my God. the previous starting outfields in okay. another edition of Who Charted. Who Charted? So shout out to at the Ryan Shull on Twitter. Um, I pulled this list from, from them. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, this is hard. So I'm going to, we're going to try to do this. I think the easiest way will be to go backwards and yeah. see, you know, you don't even necessarily have to give me their position. Just what were the, if you can, obviously that, that might make it easier for you to actually think of it through the positions, but sure. Yeah. Um, for, for this, I'm just looking for, who were the three starting outfielders uh, on opening day uh, <laughs> going back to 2017? Okay. So, right. uh, right. so let's start in 2023. God. Um, Tyler O'Neill in center. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I want to say it was Lars in left and Walker in right. Yep. All right. You yeah. got it. That was 2023. It's only okay. getting harder from there. 2022. Yeah. 2022. Um, so Bader in center. Yep. O'Neill in left. Yep. And I think the op- oh was the opening day right fielder new? No, I don't think it was. I think he came up. Um, I don't think he started there. Wasn't Tommy? Edmund. Edmund would have been at short. Donovan was at second, I think. Maybe it was Newt, though. Um, or Dylan. Oh, God. I'm going to say Dylan Carlson and right. You got it. It was Dylan Carlson. Ooh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, 2021. So you've gotten all six of them yeah. right so far. Now, yeah, 2021 is, well, I'll just let you go. Yeah. What do you got? So I know, um, was Harry Bader injured to start that year? He may have been, but I'm going to say Harrison Bader in center. 
No, he was injured. Damn. So is Dylan Carlson in center? Correct. Tyler O'Neill in left? Correct. And who was in right field in 2021? Um, oh my God. What players have the Cardinals had on their team? <laughs> uh, wasn't Lars. He wasn't around yet. It obviously wasn't Jordan Walker. It wasn't Alec Burleson. It was not Tommy Edmond. I don't think, um, Juan Yepes had a pretty good spring training, right? Um, Juan Yepes. I'll say Juan Yepes. Yepes. No, you. I. This was like the one on the list that no one is ever going to get. Justin Williams was the oh, uh, the year of Justin Williams trying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Damn. I always wanted that yeah. to work out. Yeah. Same. Um. Yeah. Uh. Bader had a forearm injury going into that season. Yeah. 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 Damn. All right. 2020. 2020. Okay. I know Bader started that year because I remember Correct. him getting injured very early that year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that year sucked. Tyler O'Neill also started that year, left field. Correct. Um, and why? I want to say Dylan Carlson again, but you said none of these are the same. They're all different. So it can't be Dylan Carlson. Yeah, it, you know, obviously a lot of repeat players, but there is not a single year where the same three were, uh, you know, we're all starting the, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the Yepes? No, that's not the Yepes year. Uh, Tommy, were you out in right, or is there a player who I am not thinking about right now? There um, is. Rosa Reina. No, he was called up nope. late in a different year. Dolis Garcia was called up late in a different year. Um, Jose Martinez. That wasn't we had no, no. That was further back. Um, and he didn't really play much right field. Oh man. Um, I'll give you a hint. Yeah, one of the largest free agent signings in Cardinal history. Oh my God, Dexter Fowler. That's right. Dexter Fowler in, uh, in right. So yeah, 2020 was, uh, O'Neill Bader Fowler. What a horrible signing. (laughs) He was good in the first year of the deal. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, 2019. 2019. Um, that feels like a thousand years ago. I know it really does. Um, I'm going to say, Dylan Carlson started in center field that year. No. Uh, Tyler O'Neill left. Nope. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so remember. This, <laughs> so I, I thought this might get this way. So I'm going to run through it for you. Um, you did pretty well though. Um, yeah. now we're entering into, uh, a, a few layers that you, of course, that we all know, but it's easy to forget. Um, so 2019, was Marcelo Zuna. Oh yeah. Harrison Bader. Yep. And Dexter Fowler. Okay. I couldn't remember how many years Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler crossed over. Yeah. Um, 2019 was the first Bader. Uh, so 18 would have been the first year Fowler came in. Correct. Okay. And he was center fielder. Bader was not Carlson. Was uh, not no. Yet. Fowler was not center fielder on opening day in 2018. He wasn't. Wasn't that his first no. year? Or was 17 his first year? Um, 
He was yeah, 17. Sorry, 17 was his first year as the center oh, fielder. Okay. Yeah, it was Man. his first year on the team. Impossible. I don't know. Yeah. So uh we all know the slap. The slap heard around the world, but I think you and I, I mean, think of a different <laughs> slap when we hear about a slap. And yeah, so 2018 was Ozuna, Fam, and Fowler. Right. And then I'll just tell you, 2017 uh was Gritchick, Fowler. And Piscotti. Wow, that now that feels like a billion years ago. That yeah. is Piscotti. Lamborghini in the garage, baby. Randall oh, Gritchick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Drafted before Mike Trout. <laughs> it was like every everybody always said those things about Randall Gritchick. Lamborghini in the garage and drafted before Mike Trout. Gritchick, he's just for a good amount, though. Give him credit. He did. Oh, well, yeah, he's pretty good with Toronto, too. Yeah. Um, what I always love about the, the Randall Gritchick was drafted before Mike Trout, uh, statement is that they were, bo- there was two picks by the angels, right? Ran- Randall, Gr- they took Randall Gritchick and then they took Mike Trout. So it's, it's like, they might've taken Trout just to be able to give him a slightly lower slot bonus or something yeah. like, it's not like necessarily someone evaluated Gritchick as being better than Trout. It was the same team. Who knows why they took the two picks in that order. But um, right. Anyway, it, it was and if anything, it was just kind of rude to do to Randall Gritchick. Um, yeah, like, not really fair. But it should also be noted, like twenty five other teams passed up on Trout uh, before yeah. the Angels. So you know, yeah, wh- whatever that's worth. Yep. So all right. So I knew that would be difficult. Um, yeah. Did I? So I uh, I kind of like I saw the list and I tried to do it myself before I really like digested the list. And yeah, I made it back to around 2021, 2020 ish before like just everything went into the mind hole. And I forget like every, like I know all the names, but you forget everything about the alignment and whatnot. And it's funny too, because you'd think like if the Cardinal system has done anything well over the past handful of years, it's developed uh, major league outfielders and it's just been yeah, this revolving it? door it's of crap. Yeah, well, look, it's all, every year they're, they're all over the league. Yeah, that's true. Um, all and of this those was, guys this... are still in baseball and productive. Yeah, um, except for Dexter not Fowler. <laughs> yeah, not Fowler. Um, Piscotty just recently retired. Oh, Pisco. Yeah, yeah, I forgot um, about that. And yeah. Justin Williams, you know, whatever he's up to. Yeah. Um, but uh, has Bader signed? Uh, Bader is with the Reds. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Annoyingly. Um, yeah. No, Zuna actually had a pretty big year with the Braves last year. He really so. did. Yeah. yeah. It is annoying to see him do well. Every time that clip of him scaling the wall, turning around and the ball dropping like 20 feet in front of him and him falling off the wall. I watch it every time. <laughs> horrible. What? That whole trade that whole peak, peak so bizarre yeah. yeah yeah i mean you obviously you know that that trade has been just hammered into the ground at this point and like i will st- i will forever contend that in the moment it we were all everyone was incredibly excited about the trade and it made a ton of sense and you know um but boy howdy did that one age poorly i mean he so. was a 27 year old all-star Gold glove, silver slugger, coming off He'd, a great year. Yeah, he just we all thought he could maybe. He, we all thought he could maybe play center field still, and then he yeah. came over and he was just none of that. 
he just had a six war season you yeah know? so or nearly six war 5.7 so yeah yeah whoops yeah big disappoint yeah that's uh that's what i would call you know good process bad results so what can we, you we, do we liked it at the time um all right well that'll do it for this episode thanks everybody uh we are almost there so close we'll be back next week with another episode and uh check out our patreon patreon.com slash talking about birds give us a call 848-48-BIRDS text us too either or and uh we'll be back next week as always until then go cardinals happy fab wow Everybody bird now. Bird, 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 bird. Everybody bird now. Squawk. Nice. Squawk, 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 squawk. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs>